Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Welcome back. We are now on the last segment of, of, of our show. And you know um, that um, COVID-19 has, I would submit, insofar as this particular issue, been very helpful because it's taught us that you can work from home. It's taught us that when you are on a video call, you don't have to wear a tie and pretend you're at the office. You can actually be in your sweater. And, 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 and it'd be clear that you're speaking to um, your, your clients or your associates from the comfort of your home. And that's something that I've, I've enjoyed. But there's also legal issues that flow from it. And uh, helping me understand some of those issues are Darren Nolifir, who's a partner and attorney at Adams & Adams. Uh, uh, Darren, thank you so much for talking to me. Are you well? I'm very well, thanks, Michael. Nice to be on the show. Great to have you. Also a labor lawyer from the same firm, Adams and Adams, uh, Aslam Patel. Uh, Aslam, good evening and thank you so much for joining me. Good evening, Michael, and good evening to your listeners. I mean, you, you gentlemen have had some, some thinking around, you know, this this issue of um, what are the legal obligations to employees when they are not working from the office. Darren? Yes, um, what we did, just to give you some context, we, we have our kind of annual seminar and and normally it's, you know, in one of these fancy buildings or hotels and we go and take out a big thing and of course we couldn't do that. So we had to go virtual, so to speak, but we also had a segment dealing with the remote workspace mm-hmm. and uh, teamed up with a, uh, a, law, uh, a firm of architects who ran a survey called several, several row architects about, you know, the workplace and got some statistics to... F- to talk about in conversation. So I focused on the intellectual property aspects, how one can kind of nurture innovation in a remote workspace. What are, what are the considerations that an employer must take into consideration? And, and, and Aslam dealt with the, the labor law principles about the, you know, the contract of work, the employment contract, et cetera. And, and, and that's, how, that's how we dealt with it. You, you know, speaking of uh, when I saw that you you had teamed up with with a firm of architectures, I thought that was quite interesting because they are, in my opinion, quite ahead of their time. Because I think architecture and even bricks and mortar are going to take a whole new meaning going forward. Um, because you know there were empty buildings before COVID nineteen, and there's going to be <laughs> certainly a lot more. But that's not what we're talking about now. Um, we so 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 maybe Aslam, if I can introduce you, I mean. Um, uh, when we're talking about, you know, the, the labor issues, um, what, what are we having in mind? How, how is labor law impacted by the fact that we, are, we now have a new way of working? Uh, thank you, Michael. Michael, as you, as you are aware, we have certain minimum conditions or standards of employment that are regulated in terms of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act. Mm. And we then have a contract of employment and various policies that actually try to give effect or regulate the traditional workplace, mm-hmm. which is obviously your office spaces, your, your factories and your plants and so forth. Yeah. Now that we are moving away from this traditional workspace and employees are obviously going to be working from home, depending on the task and the company and so forth. And in that situation, you would obviously have to regulate the work environment, but obviously in a different space is now the, the home. And you will recall and you must be aware that we have certain conditions of employment like like work hours and so forth, overtime, 
and performance management and all of those things that were regulated in terms of the contract of employment. Now, if it's in a contract of employment, then we need to adapt that contract of employment to, to obviously try to now accommodate working from home. Mm. When you have terms and conditions that are tied up into a contract of employment, then you need an agreement to, to amend those. Mm. If they are in a policy, it's not so rigorous, and those obviously can be amended. So employers now would have to consider amending those to give effect to the various uh, changes in so far as working from home is concerned, how they go about that is important. You need to obviously get consent and agreement from your employees. And uh, if there is no agreement forthcoming and the employees are reluctant and if it's still an operational requirement, that you would need them to, to accept those terms and, and conditions of employment or the new terms and conditions of employment, then it's also possible that you can go through a Section 189.3 process, also known as a retrenchment process. And, 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 and I think sort of flex, flexi hours sort of takes a whole new meaning um, when when one is working from home, doesn't it? Exactly. exactly. Mm. It's, uh, it's something that would, would, would need to be adapted because in terms of the basic conditions of employment, your work hours need to be stipulated if you're earning below a certain threshold. You can only work so many hours in a day or in a, in a week. And uh, with flexi hours, obviously, you need to, it's, it, it's, an, it's, uh, it's a new condition and uh, how it is managed is important and how where it is contained, how do you get those agreements and so forth. And 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 I, and I wonder also, you know, if you are at the office and we all know that you are in the building and you don't pick up a call, it's it's less of a crisis than if you are supposedly at home working and you don't pick up a phone. So one one does anticipate that there's probably going to also be a lot of disputes around availability um, because if you if 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 I if I can't see you and and at your availability, your instantaneous. Um, and uh, and constant accessibility does become an important factor. I wonder how that's going to unfold when it comes to issues of of, of discipline. It, it will boil more down to, to to management of your of your employees and mm. uh, performance management to manage time and, and so forth. It's important that the employer must have policies in place which will require its employees to be available during certain hours. And obviously, if employees are working throughout the evenings and throughout the days, if you can still be in breach of certain conditions of employment, your working hours, and more importantly, this also could lead to employees burning out and, and, and so forth. So it's important that clear policies and guidelines are established in relation to availability, accessibility, and and, and so forth. Sure. I, 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 as you're speaking, I actually sort of it dawned on me and how important um, th- this question is because there is also that assumption that because you're working from home, I should be able to call you at any time, even late at night. And and and, and that's going to be an interesting one to watch. But I want to turn to Darren for a little bit and ask the question, you know, how can organizations protect and cultivate innovation in, in you know, in, in this climate? Um, because we all used to sit in one boardroom and 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 you know uh, uh, and have a, a whiteboard and and sort of have those discussions and and part of what you do as as an intellectual property lawyer is sort of legal or you know deal with the fruits of of innovation 
and 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 imagination how, how's that going to how, how do you imagine organizations protecting and cultivating this darren so michael i'm hoping we've got a, a decent line here i'm struggling to hear but but i'm going to just stop me and i'll see if we can get a better line if, if there's a problem but if one accepts that as a business one has to frequently innovate to stay ahead of the competition mm. uh, and if one also accepts that during the period of COVID, uh, there has been an incredible amount of innovation. Mm. From an employer's perspective, as hard as one, um, kept, as you say, encapsulate that under the, the normal regime. So in a normal traditional office environment, you'll have your, your, your course and scope of employment and anything really created within that course and scope of employment is traditionally owned by the employer. So just picking on up on what Aslam has been talking about, where you have your course and scope of employment now being quite fluid between sometimes walking in the morning, then taking your kids to school, perhaps mm-hmm. watching a cricket match, then coming back to work and working all hours of the day. Mm-hmm. And you, you think of innovation and you're thinking all the time as in your employer, as an employee, how does you distinguish what's your own innovation and what is owned by the firm? So that's one aspect to consider is, you know, it's going to be more difficult to manage and work out what is created in the course and scope of one's employment so that it is owned by the employer. The second aspect is that you can imagine that with bricks and mortar kind of evaporating really or changing into a different type of form of office, there's going to be an increased trend towards consulting and probably subcontracting. And in a subcontracting environment, again, that, that agreement that's with your subcontractor is becomes vitally important because the subcontractor there's a there's a huge risk well not a risk but risk from employer side but certainly a conversation to be had over who owns the fruits of the labor as a as an employer you'll be teaching that subcontractor something and in return you're going to be getting a, a you're going to be paying for it but who owns the, the the fruits of that and typically and under most intellectual property laws uh, it will be the subcontractor. So if they use subcontracting innovation in the form of software, for example, mm. they will own it. In, um, in the same thing for just designing a logo for your business. So those type of aspects come into play. And I just want to say as an intellectual property lawyer in the context, I mean, worldwide, but really South Africa is quite bad. We, we traditionally make our money from commodities. And as a result, there's less of a focus on the knowledge economy and less of a focus on, on a lot of these issues. Um, I do think that as we move generally towards a knowledge-based economy and the importance of innovation in that space, a lot more uh, attention needs to be paid towards intellectual property policies and contracts within business. And and, and that's certainly some, something we, 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 we really need to start thinking about. But who owns um, uh, intellectual property generally? Let's say in a, in a, in a proper working environment and let's take a contractor for example um i'm 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 working for you for for three months um and and you know and i produce work and intellectual property doesn't have to be as i understand you know it could even be a legal opinion that i write and you can Mm, correct mm. me if i'm wrong um but 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 who owns that and how how then do you traditionally because i think before we can even attempt to understand um what would happen in a COVID situation where it's pretty much, you know, <laughs> everywhere and nowhere at the same time? 
traditionally or, or uh, the basics of it who owns it is it is it because i work for you it's automatically yours or or do we have to have a contract that specifically sets out who owns what and how no that's a really good question um let's say for example your your opinion it could be an opinion could be a piece of software it could be well software's got slightly different rules but let's say it's a it's in the design for a logo mm. if if the word, the word, it's protected by copyright and copyright under rules of copyright. The author is firstly the first owner of that, mm. unless that author is employed. And in this situation, we're talking about a case where they're not employed, so they are subcontractor. So there's no employment contract there. In which case, if you just follow the rules and copyright arises automatically, you don't register it except for certain forms like films and stuff. But generally speaking, it's not registered. So that opinion will be owned by the by the subcontractor. Obviously, the confidential information contained within that opinion will be owned by the the person. There will be a you know, protection of confidence, even if there's no uh, written contract, there's a kind of, um, you know, a, a tacit contract of, of confidence. So, so it doesn't mean you can do anything with that. But mm. certainly the the words in that, are, are just a normal agreement, if it's a logo, will be owned by the subcontractor. And that means, for example, that if you subcontract a logo for your business, it could be, well, and it's happened to well-known businesses, that the copyright in their own logo is not owned by them when we do the kind of due diligence. So I think that's just going to be amplified in this in this scenario that you, you pointed out. And 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 moving moving into this new world that we are now in, is there some kind of basis for, for me as a business to start changing the way I do things? Um, or you know, so I I'm just wondering somebody listening in this evening, should should they be going, oh that's interesting to know or geez, you know, this is now how I should be thinking going forward because clearly this is the new world order. Yeah, so I think certainly the latter is how we go forward. And mm. if you accept that you have to innovate, right, then you have to say, how do I, it's not always about ownership, but certainly control over what you, you, you own or having a great understanding of who owns what because mm. it improves your negotiating position because collaboration is part of success. So you're moving into a world where one has to pay more attention to these. And and then the other thing, I just want to talk about how the quick relationship between intellectual property and innovation. Mm-hmm. Intellectual property laws are designed to protect but also stimulate innovation. So let's say, for example, a patent. It's there. You've got to share information by filing a patent, putting it on a public register for everyone to see, and in return, you get 20 years exclusivity. Mm. So the idea of intellectual property is to stimulate innovation. What we're talking about here is then ownership because that's the next question. And from an employer's perspective, uh, one has to just be aware of the rules. And they're really they're quite basic when you get down to it, but one has to be very aware of them so that when you negotiate, when you speak to your subcontractor, when you speak to your employer, you are very aware in what you own and what they own. And and I say this just again, because there's such a there's such disruption occurring, you can find yourself breeding a competitor just by having them as a subcontractor in your office. It's going to be interesting. And, and, and I was just thinking here, Aslam, um, when you think about the trajectory uh, of of independent contractors in, in South Africa and how it's taken shape, where it's almost as if um, we try to find a reason 
to declare somebody not an independent contract. In other words, there's a move in favor of making people permanent or deeming people permanent as opposed to being independent contractors and what Darren is describing and what you've described early on seems very much that we might very well need to be a world of independent contractors where somebody is able to service more than one employer I mean a lot of people are discovering geez I've been spending 10 hours at the office when I'm at home I get to do the exact same amount of work in five hours so meaning I've got a little bit more time mm. and and I'm spending more time less time on the road attending meetings I mean you know, it's so frustrating. Like today, if somebody wants to meet up, you almost want to go, why do you want to see me? You can, we can do it on Teams. So with this sort of new world order, it seems to me that, you know, we might have to re- reimagine our dislike for independent contractors, short-term and, you know, short-term employments and those kinds of things. Definitely, definitely. We have, we have atypical employment relationships in South Africa, like fixed-term contracts and so forth, mm. which... Uh, which has obviously a rigorous, uh, uh, a rigorous uh, type of management around it. That obviously, if you if you are employed for a certain amount of hours or yeah. for a certain amount of months, and automatically you are deemed to be to be permanent, if yeah. certain criteria are met. Mm. And as the current definition of an employee in terms of the LRA stands, it, it specifically excludes an independent contractor. And obviously, we would now have to relook at how the courts deal with that definition going forward because obviously there will also still be if there's an increase in, in independent contractor relationships and the purpose of that is to circumvent the provisions of the labor relations act and the bpa then then the courts will have to deem those people to be employees and that might obviously extend the definition going forward it would be interesting to see yeah. Quite right, uh, Aslam, because I see people having a lot more employees than they did traditionally. Gentlemen, thank you very much for, for being with me. We have run out of time, but uh, I really appreciate you joining me. That's Darren Olifir, Aslam Patel, both from Adams and Adams. Um, and from me, Michael Matsuning Bill, uh, it's been a pleasure to be with you. I'm back again next Wednesday. Good evening. That was the Law Report with Michael Mitwining Bill. Kaya FM 95.9. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.